So how does this work? It's working. This is it. I call you. I push record. We talk. Uh, I have it going now, so don't say anything dirty or naughty. Although, okay, uh, that's not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna use it. So. Hey, everybody! Pre-action investigation podcast. It's Todd Conklin. How are you? I'm hoping you're great because you know that's the most important part of the whole day is getting to hang out with you. And I'm glad I'm there in your ear. Uh, or on your speaker, but I'm hoping I'm in your ear. That's much more intimate. And today's going to be a uh, super interesting podcast because all of a sudden all the podcasts are super interesting. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. It's 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 the the world's gone topsy turvy. But uh, I'm pretty psyched about this one. Um, I'm trying to think of what to tell you to bring you up to speed. You know, we're at the cusp of no longer having just jump on a bike and ride because it's getting cooler. So you've got to. Put on some accouchement. Steve de Albuquerque told me there's no such thing as weather that's too cold, just gear that's not warm. See, that's a uh, that's kind of like is the glass half full or half empty? Is safety the absence of accidents or the presence of capacity? It's all the same. We always we, we live in the same world all the time. I'm mostly interested because um you know since I'm in the world of underwear and fashion design now I've got a lot of pull so that's going to make a difference but no I'm still getting some rides in still doing what I need to do um generally I think things are good it's weird how how flexy everything is and how it's just the whole I don't know I don't I never know what to say anymore cuz everything's just it's just, it truly is we're in a position where we're sort of taking it one day at a time because there's just so much going on. And and some's good and some's bad and some's right and some's wrong. It's just, it's a, it's a part of what's happening and it's our world filled with uncertainty. Not that it wasn't filled with uncertainty before because it totally was filled with uncertainty before. But now it's really filled with uncertainty. Which, um, now that I'm saying it out loud, it's probably not all bad. Because I, I think it, it teaches us really adaptability and extensibility. So we're constantly filled with enough capacity to extend our reach. That's kind of a metaphor. But to extend our reach to what we need. And then we're constantly having to adapt. And it's good to know we do that. I think it's especially good to know our organizations do that. And it's really interesting to watch and to know and to understand. Because I was just with a, a, a great group, a marvelous group. Uh, a national laboratory located somewhere in New Mexico. I won't say the name, but they were talking about the push they want to really do as an organization to see safety as a benefit, to see safety as something that is making the world a better place, making work easier to do, making work more successful. And man, I can listen to that conversation all day long. But then what happens is we have to sort of meet that with some changes and changes are the part of this that it's not it's i mean change is always difficult even for the better change is difficult but change is the part that makes it sustainable and and that's a huge huge part of the issue as we progress through this that is a great topic and maybe huh i'm having an idea maybe i'll bring somebody on to actually pursue that topic in greater depth that would be a good idea but today's podcast for those of you listening and walking and making sure the dog's with you and everyone's happy. Today's podcast is falling along the line uh, around this notion of Amy Edmondson and psychological safety. But it's not Amy. It's Lauren Mooney. And if you don't know Lauren, you should. 
Lauren comes to us from the healthcare community. In fact, she says in the podcast, "Once a nurse, always a nurse." Good to know. That's good. To, I, I got that. That's that's on my list of stuff that I'll remember, right? And her entire crux of making the world a better place is around this notion of being able to speak truth to power. And I won't steal the thunder of the conversation because it's pretty good. But trust me when I tell you that she sees the phrase speak up, speak up for safety, speak up programs as just that, a phrase. That really the speaking part is not the problem. It's the up part. Do we have access? Have we created an environment where we want to hear the truth? Have we created a way for workers to tell us the truth? And are we moving in a direction that allows people to freely communicate open and honest information that oftentimes pushes the edges and may not be what leaders want to hear in a clear way so that it moves forward and makes a difference? My friends, and you are my friends, if we can crack that code, we're going to be home free. And, and to an extent, when Amy talks about psychological safety, that's exactly what she's talking about. They're not talking about a warm, fuzzy place, a room full of pillows where you can go and sort of bury your soul. They're talking about the ability to sort of say something that's disagreeable or that the organization may not want to hear. And oftentimes we, you and I, are in a position where we have to have those messages. And that sometimes is hard to do because it's hard to deliver that message. But it's even harder when they make it hard to do. And they make it hard to deliver that message. I know. I've been on the pointy end of that stick a bunch of times. I've had people so angry at me they've asked me to leave. But what's weird is that then they'll often contact me back and say, I didn't want to hear what you had to say. But I needed to hear what you had to say. And now I've looked it up. I've checked it out. I've done a little investigation. And you're telling me the truth. And that actually is okay. I mean, that, that works. It's fine. It's pretty uncomfortable. And that's exactly what Lauren talks about. And it's a great conversation. So sit back and relax because I think you'll actually find this one to be, um, well, at the very least, it's a fun conversation. At the very best, it's a head scratcher. It's a thought provoker because this is a place where we need to make sense. And she's thought about it so much so that she's got some ideas, uh, some ways to actually hardwire this systemically into our organizations so that we do have the ability not to speak up, but to speak in. And that's what Lauren Mooney's going to talk about. So sit back and relax. Here's Lauren Mooney. And uh, Todd, that's me. Oh, wait, I should say, here's Lauren Mooney and myself in a conversation about that very topic. Enjoy. Oh, I will tell you. So I'm Lauren Mooney. I'm a nurse in Connecticut. What am I doing? You know what? I am that, I've always been that challenger of the status quo, especially if I thought it was like hurting people or animals. So after this very interesting journey, I'm kind of uh, out there with um, a challenge to the world, which seems insane, to say, hey, can we take a look at, you know, this uh, speaking up uh, strategy because I don't think it's working. Um, yeah, so I uh, have this passion for high reliability organizing that came from looking at patient uh, cases of patient harm. Um, but as I, as I explored that, I realized, oh, I got to... I got to get into some other industries and see what's going on in the world. That's why I kind of landed in your world, Todd. And I've been um, uh, 
uh, involved for a few years now. So I'm, let's see, I'm going to be doing my first beta on my new idea, speaking in. And uh, just trying to share the world that I think um, humans versus complexity. If it was a sport, what would it be? This is what I've been thinking lately. That's a, that's a good idea. And who's, Some kind of weird hockey. Yeah. Because the floor needs to is be slippery. Hockey? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the floor needs to be slippery to, in order to make it complex. Well, first and foremost, welcome to Thank our you. side of the equation because uh, we welcome you with open arms. Secondly, it bears to be said that I'll bet you when you said to the world speaking up doesn't work that that didn't go over very well because there's a lot of people that really believe that's the magic weapon. Now, personally, I will just tell you, I think speak up programs are elaborate ways to tell workers to try harder and jump faster. So I'm not the biggest fan either. But it's interesting because for the most part, I think people truly believe it's the right thing to do. What kind of feedback did you get when you told people, I don't think this works? Um, you know, there's kind of two types of people. Uh, the people are like, oh, you know, that's a nice idea. And then there's the people that go, aha. However, what we really need, um, I actually can say most, most leaders I've talked to, they're like, it actually doesn't work. You're right. They don't speak up. We keep telling them embrace the change yet. I think that takes a lot of courage and it takes a, a fundamental mindset shift, right? So what what's missing? And I'm like, I really think that this will happen once we, me, you, and everyone else out there can get leaders understanding and believing that real power and complexity is the ability to learn, right? Right. Um, we'll, we'll think, well, it's compliance, it's control, we'll trust our plans too much. So um, I'm getting, I, I have a few uh, people saying, all right, we, we get it, especially really smart people who are like, well, wait, of course we have a plan that will work. Well, we all know eventually <laughs> complexity gets a, gets a goal, right? Scores the goal. That's right. On the, on the hockey rink, on the, on the slippery yes. floor. Uh, yes. To me, what's so important primarily is that I truly think these organizations and, and jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but I truly think these organizations believe the speak up program is something that the workers do. I don't think they understand their role in the speak up program. It's, it's not about asking workers to speak. It's about creating right. an environment where they can speak. And that seems, that seems to fundamentally put accountability for success of these programs, not on the worker's shoulders, not on the, culture of trust and we need to make it okay to no it really puts the accountability for that on leaders creating an environment where it's okay to learn kind of amy edmondson's um stuff when she talks about psychological safety psychological safety is not about a warm fuzzy open door policy it's about the ability to push the borders and be okay yeah well absolutely and one of the things that kind of confuses me is the research is already there. Like I'm I, speaking in is sort of, it's a new strategy that builds, takes into account, like all of the things in play. Like we think, well, the organization needs you to speak. So then, or automatically you're going to speak, but we have to look at the nature of the com complex organization, the nature of people, the nature of language, like the nature of leadership, um, the social psychology. And you have to sort of find some sort of map that takes all of it into account. And Amy Edmondson has clear research that, that, you know, 
leaders inviting and appreciating, okay, can take nature off its course. That's the actual quote she used and overcome hierarchies limiting status, right? We leaders need to step up and say, oh, it'd be so nice if they would speak up, but they're not going to. It's a, the whole model is just flawed and it's completely un, I think it's unfair. It puts all that responsibility onto the person of lesser power. I agree. I I agree. And, and, and that's not only a shame and sad and tragic, but kind of malpractice. And then they weaponize it and use it, use it against them. They say, you should have spoken up. Why, why did they not speak up? Why did they not tell us? And right. that, that actually sort of sets the stage for an opportunity to change. Because you're exactly right. The secret to complexity is not simplification. The secret right. to complexity is transparency, is learning. You make the, the complex couplings known. And the only way you can do that is by actually creating that transparency, by learning. However, the, the old speak up model, I think, is, is a simplification model. We'll just make it easy for people to speak up. And then we'll count the number of times they speak up or we'll punish them if they don't speak up. That's a fundamental flaw in the concept of, of this idea. And I think that's where you sort of came in on this. Was it a, what, what was it that caused you to become interested in this? I, I mean, I, I get that harm was being done to small children and animals. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's always, uh, you'll go far with that one. But what made you think this is flawed? Because that's kind of a, it's a big deal. It's kind of Don Quixotean. Yes, I, I, would, do, I do feel like that. Um, I wouldn't know how to spell I, that, but it, <laughs> it seemed like yes. a good thing to say. Oh, I love that play. Um, I can remember from Spanish class. Um, I, so there's lots of ways that I think a speaking in strategy could serve an organization, but I came up through the route of safety and performance. So I was studying ambiguity, Uh okay, and the power of diverse perspectives when something is unclear. And that's when I realized, oh, we need voices. So I went and I looked at the speaking up literature in healthcare, and there were uh, 2014 and 16, there were two meta- uh, meta-analysis done and the the data was so dismal and it said like across this global study nurses perceive speaking up as um unsafe and ineffective i'm like well there's a healthcare crisis and if you look at uh, a recent study you know it's like well one percent of people feel confident to voice a concern at the crucial moment now here, here it basically, well, what, what percentage do you think, Todd, that speaking up like across, I know there's variation, but let's just say, how well do you think it works? Um, so, so my, my gut would tell me the re I, I'm sort of familiar with the research, but my gut would tell me that almost never. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. And when I ask leaders, I get like, Oh, 13 to 20%, like really low. Right. So what? All this work on our organizational processes, all this sigma, but we tolerate a process that works less than even, let's give it 30% of the time. What if you had a gate to your factory and you're like, well, you know, this is the gate, how everyone comes into work, but it only works half the time. So half the time that people can't show up. Would we, would we tolerate this? No. That's sort of what we're doing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're exactly right. But I, I, the, 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 it's really, there's so much to talk about. The deeper question is, is why do they tolerate it? I mean, and my guess is, is they truly believe it's not their problem. 
that if the workers would just speak more, this wouldn't be a problem. We got to get them to, I mean, that's what I hear leaders say to me all the time. Well, we got to get them to speak up more. Well, that's not how it works. At least not as, as far as I can tell. No. And leaders, it's, it's okay. Leaders, if you really want the one, here's the thing. Everybody wants to be successful. And this is why I'm going to cling to the optimistic hope that it is a knowledge gap. Okay. And we know these leaders want to be successful. They have this problem, but who, who has offered a different model other than speak up? And it's what was handed. The key, these are the keys that were handed to you. Okay. And this key does not unlock your greatest treasure, which is what your employees know. Right. So we've got these keys. We're jamming them in the lock. It doesn't work. Well, what keys will work? Right. So this leadership switch to, oh my goodness, learning is learning is power. How I'm sorry, human beings act according to their nature. We, they can't be other than human when they show up for work. Right. So they, their threat to their, um, it's, you know, the threat to psychological safety is perceived as an existential threat by our primitive brains versus, well, I might lose my job or how about, you know, futility. We have told them, we've told them 10 times, nothing has happened. And now they're just going to conserve their energy. Right. So these are things leaders can change. And the other thing about speaking in that I think I I'm hoping is a, positive point for leaders is it's really based on the foundation of you don't have to have all the answers. You don't know everything. You can't, but these people do. So how about we unlock the knowledge flow, right? Um, with really like two, two steps, um, and then watch how an organization might fly. Because when you think of the amount of knowledge that they're working blind to, um, it's shocking. And I always say powerless, you know, this, if you want to stick with speak up, okay, but it doesn't work. So you just left yourself powerless to learn and it's power that helps you move forward towards your, you know, whatever your important goal is in purpose in the world. Well, yeah. Knowing less does not make you smarter. I mean, that, no. we, we just talk about it all the time. So, so how do you get leaders to actually, A, learn they need to be more humility or they need to be more humble, have more humility and B, become more humble? Yep. I'm, I'm believing that this is what came to me as I looked at, at the cases. And I have this, these words in my mind is that people are not oriented or equipped for the actual, um, terrain that they're working in. So in their mind, I, I think I was talking about yesterday, the very first hospital in the United States was in Philadelphia, right? So the people used to be in their homes and the doctor was riding his horse and then we gathered them to a, into a, this brick building. And maybe because it looked like a factory that we decided it could run like a factory. Um, and so we treat it like, you know, the inputs are going to equal the outputs. Where to me, if you can understand that what you're really walking in is much more like a jungle. So I say, you know, walking in the jungle of uncertainty and complexity. And you're not, what we've equipped you with is not enough. And... It's that heavy focus on plans, which are all good, but there's that dark space that I call it, you know, the uncertainty and the ambiguity and the unexpected. We have to, and the nature of human beings, that we have to factor into the way we work. So um, I'm saying leaders, it can be better than this and it can be easier than this. Now, there is some reflection that could be a little hard, right? Because 
you have to say, what am I doing that's creating this culture? So I think that's probably one of the bigger jumps. Um, and also models to help people. So I have this model called the wonderful wild world we work in. And um, it's like, yes, you have a VUCA world, but, and that stands on its own before you get out of bed in the morning, you've got a lot going on. Then you've got this layer of people, right? Having different experiences, different emotions, different employee experiences. And then they go out in their multitude of states and create the socio-technical systems that all affect each other. And it's all spinning like a roulette. And one day it could land and be amazing. And uh, the fa- I call them fabulous, fallible, and free-willed. And that's those people. And one morning they're fabulous, but by the next, but by afternoon, you, we can be fallible. So we have to cre- create an environment that can account for all of that. So how do you do it? What What's... What's the secret sauce? Ah, the secret sauce. Yes, I'm going to give you the secret sauce because... Um, Generosity always really pays. Funny. Yes, because here, here's why I look at it. I feel like I'm, I want to be just like a steward of this idea and make it simple enough that anyone listening could t- today could say, hmm, I could try that, okay? But also then support people um, who are like, well, how do we really do this? Um, it, how, do you, how do you actually embed it into an organization? So there's two steps. One is leaders have to start asking fear-reducing invitational questions, okay? You're sitting in the room. People, like, they want to say something, but the power of the invitation. But in speaking in, what I think is very important is that the leader signal ahead in the question, in the statement, that the response is going to be appreciated. So, so, so a very simple question is, you know, gee, um... I'm just, um, it would really help me to know, is there any other information floating around that you think I just might need to know? Okay, so you've, you're saying, this is going to be helpful to me. Um, you're signaling ahead. Then, the, that's the first step. Another one would be like, I'd really appreciate knowing your questions and co- concerns and ideas so we can approach this situation more safely. Oh, you'd appreciate it? Hmm, I'm going to take a chance. Now, when the person takes a chance... What the leader does next, right, everybody's watching. Is there an eye roll? Is there, like, an an awkward silence? Or is there, thank you for that? Regardless of whether you liked it, you you thank the person for the appreciation, for the gift of knowledge, okay? It's It's not a threat. It's a gift no matter how it feels in the moment. And then the next piece is what you do with it. So, you know, Ron Westrom has that, uh, it's like a scale of, um, how we, how we take care of the gift of knowledge. Oh, yes, you're good. Oh, okay. Um, so everything from like suppression to maybe doing a PR relation, like we said it was blue, but you just went out and said, told everyone it was red or, you know, a, a, like a local fix or a global fix with deep inquiry. So how the, everyone's watching, uh, what you're going to do with the information and that's going to determine what, whether people are going to feel like, oh, speaking up, it's always appreciated. Now, there's a caveat on that because leaders go, we don't want everybody talking about everything. And we, we don't want, you know, oh, I don't like your hair. But it's about, we're ship, speaking in that, that change. It's into the purpose of the organization. Instead of up to a person, let's speak into what we're trying to do here. And you have a unique perspective that no one else can have. And I'm inviting it, and I'm going to consider it, and I'm going to value it. So it's those two steps. And uh, a fear-reducing invitational question, and then appreciation, um, 
and appropriate taking care of what you've just found out. And I want to add one thing. So it has a little, the basis of it is intentionally including, inviting, and appreciating diverse perspectives. That's sort of like the foundation of what leaders need to start um, considering, can't make anyone do anything, but considering what might happen in my organization if I if we did that. So that seems so, it's vital. It's, it's, it's so refreshing to hear that and so important. It's interesting to me that the notion of intentionality which which can sound a little jargony and a little bit sunflower seed, uh, hot rock massagey. You know, it's it's got the mm-hmm. potential to kind of move over into the uh, drum circle side of the equation. But it it really is the, the word I think about all the time is that it's a deliberate strategy, mm-hmm. it, which is is kind of the same. It's probably less um, holistic as intention, but it's a deliberate. It's a deliberate invitation. It's a deliberate appreciation. It's a deliberate closing of the deal. Those are all really important and make a huge difference to how things happen. To me, uh, so I came from a background, the the research science background that I came out of, it was so interesting because we expected to always have a differing professional opinion. In fact, we had a DPO program, differing professional opinion program. So if, if I wrote a paper or did an investigation or did some kind of white paper, I would expect and include um, a diversity of opinion. In fact, if it wasn't there, probably they'd send it back and tell me to get it and bring it back in. So at a fundamental level, I've always come from this environment that really appreciated the diversity of information. But I think the diversity question that you sort of spoke of very early in this is really a key component that's missing organizationally. I think the belief that leaders have to know puts them in a position where they don't get to learn. And that part seems fundamental to me to everything else you're talking about. How do you broach that? Hmm. How do you broach that? Well, we're we're really asking leaders to be different. I mean, we're, it's, it's, it's a big change. We're asking hospital administrators. We're asking docs. We're asking pilots. We're asking, I mean, we can sort of go through the list of, of people who we need to have Edgar Schein, you know, who's a genius, uh, you know, his, his final, I shouldn't say final. That's the work he's working on now towards the end of his career um, is really about this notion of humble inquiry. And I think that Mm -hmm. plays into this at some level. Yeah. You know, okay. This reminds me of a story. It's not as good as any of your stories, especially the rattlesnake in the car. (laughs) I love that one. But this reminds me of, I was in, in college and my dad took me car shopping and he was really keen that I was going to get a Chevette. Okay. You remember the Chevette? Yeah, of course. Sexy. Oh, what, Sexy. what's wrong with this Chevette? That Chevette. Oh my goodness. Look at the price of this to that. And I said, okay, dad, you drive the Chevette. Well, that was the end of that. <laughs> He's like, you're right. This doesn't work. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think it, too much, too much time, um, just apart and and uh, distanced. You know, um, how do you how do you really get out there and get get the view of what they're actually trying to do and respect? Okay, this is an important piece of speaking in. I think I believe that the only way that an organization can heal is from the inside out because there's so much like local context and variability, right? right that so. 
you can't prescribe some sort of grand, I mean, yes, there's theories in speaking and even as a model, but in terms of the very granular truth on the ground, you have to fix those problems locally and individually. And the only way you can do it is by opening up that knowledge flow there. And once you do that, it can start a cascade, right, of, of, of problem solving and healing. And the key is you can't do that. I have to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. So you got to fix the employee uh, experience first. And I don't think you can separate the two. I started with, we're going to save a patient. Then we're going to, oh, well, the, the, we're going to have the staff behave differently. I'm like, oh, they need a different employee experience. Right. And, and now I'm at leadership. And what really. And now I'm at leadership. And well, what we're really looking at, I think what you say that's so valuable is that we've we've got to look at the context that the worker's in. We have to look at the environment that the worker's functioning in, and we have to think if we're going to have different outcomes, then we have to we have to really create a different environment. I mean, it's the question I ask all the time: Do people behave differently in a biker bar than they do at church? Yeah, they do. Well, why? Well, the environment is incredibly different which actually then creates an opportunity for different outcomes, different potential, uh, the way people function, the, the context. And that's really important. I mean, that, that makes such a huge difference. Are, are you open and willing to work with companies that are ready to go on this journey? Because that's exciting. I am. I absolutely am. And um, it is a top-down model, although – Leaders have to have to be willing to say, okay, I get this. I embrace this. I'm ready to start walking this path, which it can be very simple. It's really just changing, you know, changing our, our making sure we understand about complexity, changing a few attitudes. What are the attitudes that work in complexity? Starting with the courage to look in the mirror at, I start with courage because any leader that's going to do this is brave, but then getting right into that humility. Um, and, um, the, but in the end, not only is it creating that condition for people to feel free to speak, but also from the, from the frontline staff's understanding of, you know what, my perspective, my contribution matters. And I'm, this is, a, it's expected of me that I'm going to share continually. And one of the differences of speaking in versus speaking up, speaking up is, is, very much based on the, you know, work is imagined. We set the plans. So, you know, let us know if you're having a problem. Um, but otherwise, we'll be in a strategy meeting. Versus, I very much came to it from that ambiguity and sense-making. And complex organizations need a much, need a continual information flow. So, it's like, yeah. you know what? We're always making sense. We're always sharing. Yeah. And and on, now, I, I picture the, the ultimate goal is... Um, an environment where everybody always knows it's safe to share a question, concern, an idea. You have to take the people, picture the person, they're having that thought bubble, right? If I speak, will I be helped or harmed? So that person has uncertainty in their mind. Well, you don't need uncertain people in an uncertain environment. Right. You need certain <laughs> so, people. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I am, I am really looking forward to you know, this is baby. This is your, this is the first podcast. I went right for the gusto here, Todd. Thank Ooh, you. Wow. Really? I'm the first. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, leaders who are ready to, you know, take that next logical step of let's look at the people side. Let's fix, let's fix our people process. That's operating somewhere below 50%. <laughs> so, 
I didn't know I was going to be the first. That's quite an honor, huh? Oh, oh, there we go. Thank you, Lauren. That was great. I'm so glad we got a chance to chat. It was a great pod. Thanks to you, too, for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, smash that like button. I don't know why I say that. It's so goofy. Um, but until then, learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Take care of one another. Check in on one another. That's important. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. Be safe.